I think that the uh, <clears throat> overarching theme for the readings, they all kind of converge on this and agree with it, is that if you're going to live for God, it's not going to be easy. I think it's the book of Proverbs that says, if you, if you prepare to serve the Lord, prepare for a battle. Prepare for war. And then you have Jesus in the gospel saying, deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. And you know what I find interesting is we respect the heck out of people that are incredibly selfless. People that do pick up their cross daily. People that do, you know, get, lay down their lives so that others can live. We look at that and we hold them up as high as possible. But then we rarely do it ourselves. We know what God is asking of us, but rarely do we do it. But in our first reading, we have an example of a man who really did it. Jeremiah is one of my favorite prophets. And he is at the point right now where he's like, he has had it. He is, all Jeremiah does, God says, go and tell my people this, tell my people that. And Jeremiah tells his people this, and tells his people that. And all the people do is hate him. They hate him. They beat him. They torture him. They put him in stocks. He tells us that they, five times, they threw him into empty cisterns. And he'd sit back and be like, well, that sounds kind of bad. But there's two translations for the word cistern. An empty cistern could either be an empty well. That would be bad enough. You're stuck down there and you can't get out, right? But the other word is empty latrines. So they literally could have taken this guy and thrown him in an outhouse hole. And this is the man that sits back. He's like... God appointed me to the nations to go and bring truth to everybody. And now I'm in a, the bottom of a spiffy biff. Like, Lord, what the heck? You asked me to do this. I did it. And every time I do it, everybody hates me. Why do I keep doing this? And then I think he even says kind of anger, a little bit of, with a little bit of anger in his heart. That line that is the first line from the, the reading. You duped me. You tricked me. And I let myself be tricked. I don't know if you feel this as a Christian. I feel this as a priest sometimes. Man, sometimes when you go up against like major things at a parish or at the school or at the diocese, I'm like, what the heck? I'm working for you. I thought this was going to be better. I don't know why. There's a big cross in front of me. You know, like you tricked me. And I'm like, no, I'm just an idiot. And the same with Jeremiah. But then Jeremiah has this memory. He remembers of, that he was appointed to be a prophet. And he says, even if I try to stay silent, there's a burning inside of me until I speak. And I felt that too. I don't want to talk anymore, but then I have to. Why? Because if, every, if nobody talks... You know, it's a, I, there was a philosopher, and he had this line, he said... The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. That's the only thing that evil needs, is for us just to do nothing. And so there's this burning inside of me to, I want to speak. But it's hard because no matter how much I speak, either people get angry at me or they don't do it. And then i got to deal with myself. Jeremiah had a very, very difficult life. A little show and tell today, okay? I have this in my rectory. It's one of my favorite paintings. I don't know if you can see it way in the back. So it's called 
Jeremiah's lament over Jerusalem. So basically, if you see, you can't see it, but way off in the back, Jerusalem is burning. And I love Jeremiah's facial expression. You know, it's kind of like this. He's, he's like, you know, just bewildered. I told you, I told you, and I told you, you throw me in toilets, you put me in stocks, and now I was right. But Jeremiah stays true and he lives the life. He picks up his cross. He does it even though it costs him severely because God has asked him to do it. And God has asked every one of us, by baptism, you are a priest, prophet, and king. So prophecy is in you. And when we prophesy, what that means is we speak the truth to the world. And it will cost you. It will cost you in many, many areas. But Jesus wasn't kidding and so I want to just give you a little story about, because everybody sits back and like, oh yeah, you know, Jeremiah, he's 5,000 years, whatever it was, 4,000 years ago. It was a long time ago. Give me something in the modern day, okay? Well, so I, I got this story from Father Mike Schmitz. He gave it in a homily, and I found it fascinating. This dude is a modern day Jeremiah. His name was Mark. This is only a few years ago. Mark was, uh, uh, he was raised Catholic. He was, uh, went to Catholic schools. And when he went off to college, he said, I really prayed like, God, I am going to live my faith no matter what it costs me. And when nobody's looking, I'm going to live my faith. So he goes off to college. He goes to Notre Dame. His freshman year, he meets this beautiful girl. They fall in love and they go to coffee and they're talking and having a great time. And they go to movies. And then all of a sudden, there's this big dance on campus. So he takes her to the dance. At the dance, she's sitting there and she's like, hey, can you go get me some punch? And so he's like, yeah. So he goes and gets the punch and he comes back and she's gone. Gone, gone. Like he looks all over the place. He can't find her. And so dejected, like he's like, I guess I just lost my girlfriend. He goes home to his dorm room. His dorm room is like a, it's one of those suites, you know, so it has five bedrooms and then like a, a center living room and a little kitchenette. So he walks in there. He walks in, he opens the door to his dorm room, flips on the light. And he has a lofted bed. So, you know, lofted, it's up, it's up high. And all he hears is, hey, Mark. And he like looks up, and there she is. And he said at that moment, he just looked down. And he said, you left the dance. I thought you didn't have a good time or you didn't like me. And she's like, no, I really care about you, Mark. And he said at that moment... He said, I could have done anything. Nobody was watching. But I made a promise to God. No matter what it cost me, I was going to live my faith. And so he looks down and he says, I'm sorry. I really like you a lot, but you are worth more than this. And he walks out. A few minutes later, she comes out. Now, you've got to think. Now, this guy, he's sitting on his couch. He's just got to be like, wow, I did it. I did it. I actually, I defended her. I'm trying to live the faith. And I did it when nobody was watching. She walks out, and he turns around like to greet her, whack, just smacks him right across the face. And looks at just glares at him and says, Mark, you're going to regret this. And leaves. He said for the rest of his freshman year, she told everybody on campus what a loser he was, how weak he was, and he wasn't even a man. 
All of his, she told all of her friends, went back to the dance, told everybody at the dance, made fun of him relentlessly. When they, when they saw each other in the hallway, she would just glare at him. And went all the way through college. College ends, fast forward two more years, so they're two years out of college. He's back at Notre Dame for a football game. And at the football game, they're tailgating, and he said he looked up and he saw her. And she was walking towards him. And she wasn't alone. He... He characterized this man as a walking tree. He was just a monstrosity of a guy. Later on, he learned he was a Navy SEAL. So he's walking with her towards them. And he said he leaned over to his girlfriend and he's like, I really love you, but I think I'm going to die. Because he didn't know anything but her anger, right? She gets about 20 feet away and starts running and jumps into his arms. Can you imagine the confusion of this man? You hate me, and now you're hugging me. What is going on? And she says, Mark, do you remember that night freshman year? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I do. I will never forget that night. Thank you. And she says, I was so mad at you. Because my whole life in high school, I lived for love in such a cheap way. And it left me empty all the time. But when I came to you and you said, no, you're worth more than this, I felt like you were rejecting me. And that's because I didn't understand what love really was. I was so mad at myself that every time I saw you, I hated you because you reminded me that I am worth more than the shallow life I was living. Listen to this. From that night until the night I got married, I remained chaste. Because of what you said to me. And this massive tree man steps forward, and as Mark said in his own word, extends a branch. <laughs> and he shakes his hand and he says, Mark, I have wanted to meet you for years because you protected my wife when I wasn't there to protect her. That's what we're talking about. You know how much that cost him? He even said, he's like, it, was the, it cost me my whole college time. I was thought of as this loser, this pathetic man. And the vindication that God gives to this man five years later that he is not a weak man. He is an oak. Strong. And he did it with Jeremiah. And he did it with St. Paul. And he's going to do it with you. If you can remain true and pick up your cross daily and follow him. And look, here's the deal. From the cross, you know what they did? They spit on him. They mocked him. They made fun of him. They ridiculed him. They beat him. But guess what? That's not the end of the story. Just like the destruction of Jerusalem wasn't the end of the story. Just like Mark being made fun of in college wasn't the end of the story. It is never the end of the story until God has the final word. And the final word is resurrection. Life. For all his faithful. So let us pray for the grace in this Mass that we can stay true, that we can actually pick up our cross, follow Him, realizing that to be His disciple means we're not made for this world. We're made for greatness. And as Pope Benedict said, the world will offer you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness.